and welcome to We Are History with me, John O'Farrell, and... What the fuck are you talking about, John? Oh, Angela started already. Uh-oh, potty mouth. Tell them what we're doing this week, Angela, because it's not <laughs> gratuitous swearing, it's, it's uh, relevant swearing. It is relevant swearing, John. We are going to be talking about the history of swearing in English. Do you know what? Um, we had uh, one of our listeners saying how much they loved our show, whose Twitter handle is Snowy Swear A Lot. And uh, I said to her, oh, we're doing one for you next week. She goes, that sounds fucking fantastic. So, um, so she'll be pleased. Snowy Swear A Lot. Language is very interesting and tells you about history. And Angela, you did a linguistics degree at university. I did. Um, we didn't talk that much about swearing particularly. You just did it did in the bar about, afterwards. Sort of, uh, we just did that in the bar. <laughs> Um, we did talk about the sort of evolution of language, and I think swearing is a good way to kind of track that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, I always say I'm a working class girl from the south of England. What I lack in H's, I make up for in F's. Get over it. Uh, I should also say that I have got a bit of a cold, so oh, yeah. apologies for the slightly croaky voice. I've had a COVID test this morning at the moment. We just don't know. We just don't so, know. Okay. Um, we should make it clear John and I are in separate houses. We are. So, we are socially distanced and. And, so, and, and socially distanced in class as well as distanced. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say oh, Angela and I are very socially distanced. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to be a Labour voter. There we go. Oh, um, so, yes, Beautiful. swearing. Swearing. I'm just going to clip swearing. that bit out and tweet it. And go, yeah, calls himself a lefty. Um, Angela is going to lead on this as the linguistics expert. And, and the. Potty mouth. <laughs> I'm just going to tut every time she uses bad language. Uh, but it is an indication of, um, it tells us a bit about class. It tells us a bit about mm-hmm. the, all the different influences on the English language. The language in the world with the most words of any tongue. So mm. we have so much influence from Vikings, Normans, Saxons, Jutes, Celts, everyone. Oh, we nicked it from everyone. We've got words coming from all over the place, which is why we have, we have a richer, fruity language as we do, you know, academic language. So, Angela, yeah. tell me about swearing. Well, I think we should make clear from the off that, obviously, swearing's all about taboos, right? Yes. And taboos change as you go through time, what is taboo and what isn't. So things that might have been taboo in the Middle Ages might not be today. Yes. With that in mind, I just want to make it really clear at the top that our biggest taboos today are about a, a sort of hate speech related, yes. right? The racial slurs and epithets, things about, you know, the way people look and are and what, all that. We are not touching that. I want to make that clear from the off. Sure. That is not what we're, you know, here to talk about the history of hate speech. We're here to talk about the history of obscenity and swearing and, and why um, certain things have different meaning is at different times but i don't want anyone to panic that we're gonna there's no hate speech you know, but jacob rees no is a stuck-up cunt i'm just gonna put that oh out yeah there. totally totally yeah yeah that's that's a given <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that no hate speech we might at times need to say the n-word or you know just say it like that i mean uh, yes uh, but it's interesting that you know i think it's interesting in itself that it would have caused enormous offence back in the day to uh, say damn or God yeah. as a curse word. And now we have our own uh, lines, which we don't want to cross. Exactly. So the lines are always there. And what we're talking about is the lines in history rather than yeah. we're not attempting to go flying over any lines that are there today. So as John said earlier, English has gone through quite a lot of changes in its time. And so I'm just going to whiz through the different stages. Oh, oh here we go. So, first of all, the apes grunted. <laughs> Let's go. Right, 
well, your ancient Britons, right? Okay. Your ancient right, Britons. Okay. So, so before the Romans far. came, your ancient Britons, they spoke a common Britonic language related to the Celtic languages. Um, so they went on to be the roots of Welsh, Pictish in Scotland, Cornish, Breton, things like that. Um, Irish. When the Rome Irish as well, Irish. But I'm talking what the Britonic language was more right, on the right, right. in England, Wales and Scotland. What I have learned never to call the mainland, ever. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> you got in trouble oh, for that. Big mistake, and rightly so. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, so when the Romans came, the Britonic language took a lot of Latin words. When, oh, we'll have some of them. Right. Um, and obviously Latin was, up until relatively recently, was still used by... Uh, the elite, you know, yeah. was used um, not so much. Your, your your peasants weren't speaking Latin to each other. They might have borrowed some words from Latin. It wasn't the lingua um, franca. Except it wasn't that, except the lingua that franca. Bit, except that bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, English, as we know it, evolved as a it was a West Germanic language. Um, came from Anglo-Frisian dialects, which were brought over by the Anglo-Saxons from Northern Europe in fifth, seventh to seventh century AD, and that sort of gradually displaced the Celtic dialects, the Britonic and the British Latin right. um, and became what we know now as Old English. Then the Vikings came and we did start to borrow words from the Vikings as well as they settled in the Danegeld, which we've talked about. Listen to Ethelbert, no, not Ethelbert. Ethelred. Ethelred the Unready yeah. um, for, for more about that. Um, so words like berserk, that came from a Norse word, wow, berserker, yeah, which wow. meant bare shirt. And it meant a man wow. who went to fight with the only armour being the skin of an animal. Oh, he, went berserk. Cool, he went berserk. He went berserk. He went berserk. The word happy is from Norse. Did you know that? Hap no. means good luck, good fortune, happy. Hi, hi. Happy. I like it. I always go, hi, hi, when, they're, when I'm watching those Nordic noir dramas. <laughs> and when you see their, them swearing, it's always like, look good, good, I'm a fucking fool. It's like... <laughs> Hi, hi. Oh, hi, hi. <laughs> um, then, of course, 1066 and all that. Again, yep. we've got a podcast about that if you want to brush up. <laughs> so I did a um, new catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, we've got a podcast about that. So the Normans came. Old English was pushed out a bit by Anglo-Norman yep. and especially by the upper classes. So first, John, as we learn in that episode, they took our beer. They take our beer <laughs> and they make us drink wine and they take the language, they start bringing in all these new words. They do. So... Old Norman, which they spoke, borrowed from French and also from the Vikings as well. So we had a double whammy of, of Viking influence. In both, both directions. In both directions. Then we'd already had the Germanic influence. Now we're getting a bit of the Romantic languages. It's like Harold himself. He's got them coming from north and south. Yes. It's like an allegory for the English language. There you go. See, I'm this is why all that. these people go, these foreigners coming over here don't speak English. You're like, what is English, you Who morons? Yeah. Anyway, once the Normans have come and we start borrowing from their language, we're now moving into what we call Middle English, which is uh, what Chaucer uh, was uh, writing in. Um, yes, and that's very much around the time of the Black Death, which probably took out a lot of the uh, sort of Latin and uh, French-speaking scholars. Yes. So the sort of one language sort of emerged out of the whole mix. That's right. And then, Much as the way as the Irish famine sort of did for Irish Gaelic, actually. Um, English became the sort of dominant language in Ireland in the mid-19th century. Much, you know, the Black Death changed language here, I think. Yeah. And if, I don't know if you've read much Chaucer, John. I, uh, I dabbled. I dabbled in it. You dabbled. Yeah. It's quite... Yeah. I think people think of Chaucer as being... I think people think of old English as being ye olde English. You're like, no, 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 that's modern English. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, proper old English and middle English is virtually you know, you need to translate it. It's not, yeah. um, I mean, you can sort of work it out but it, where the roots are, but it's quite... 
I just thought the spelling was terrible. That was my main yeah. thing. Uh, I read the Brodie's notes, put it that way. So then we go into early modern English, which starts with the Renaissance, really, with Shakespeare and, and from the sort of mid-16th century. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing when you look at, uh, you read Chaucer and you can't make head or tail of it. And then it's only a few hundred years later. And Shakespeare is not that different to what we speak now. No, you can. Uh, you can yeah. sort of, you know, how often would you say... Oh, yes, the funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the wedding table. I mean, I'm always saying that. Always saying it. Always <laughs> Whereas, saying it. Um, which was his beard does is a daisy. I never say that. So, yeah, very little change really between now and Shakespeare, comparatively speaking. Up to that point, we were borrowing words from all over the place. And the things that change language are the same, really. It's immigration and migration changes language. And... Um, new technology changes language. So whenever right. you've got new technology, you need a new word for it. Right. The internet obviously is the thing in the last 20 years that's brought more words than anything else into the English language. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, so Lol. it's all long, exactly. Lol. Ruffle or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I feel, whenever I do things like that, I feel like my mum. David Cameron, when he was sending text messages to Rebecca Wade at the News of the World, thought lol was lots of love, didn't he? Amazing. Stupid Amazing. idiot. Yeah, sorry to hear about your mum, lol. Um, <laughs> we've all done it, we've all done it. Um, so swearing, let's get to the nitty gritty of swearing. I yes. love swearing. Right, let's talk about what swearing is. Broadly speaking, swearing falls into two camps. Yep. You've got the sacred and the profane. Now, a really good book to read, like we always say, that. I mean, this episode could be a week long if we wanted it to be. Yeah. There's a really good book called Holy Shit. I read that um, one. Which is by Melissa Moore, and it's a really sort of in-depth overview of the history of swearing. So do read that. M-O-H-R. Um, M-O-H-R, yes, Melissa yeah. Moore, M-O-H-R. She says that swearing falls into these two camps, the sacred and the profane, what she calls the holy and the shit. <laughs> right. And the broadly speaking, two different types of swearing held different power at different periods of time. Today, for example, we're not that offended by someone going, oh, Jesus Christ. Some people are, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're not going to get kicked off Radio 4 for saying that. Actually, a bad example. They don't like Yeah, music, <laughs> Radio 4 but... you get kicked off for anything. Yeah. <laughs> so they're the different, broadly speaking, different categories of swearing. But there's different ways that we use swearing. And the linguist Stephen Pinker, which if you were studying linguistics in the 90s like I was, you would have been bored stiff of him. Um, oh, poor Stephen. Poor Stephen Pinker. But he uh, sort of classified several different functions for swearing. He classified right. abusive swearing, so with the intent to upset somebody, you know, or to offend someone or to yeah. intimidate them or whatever. Cathartic swearing, which is just where it's an impulsive reaction. And we'll come on to that a bit more because that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you just just can't help yourself. Help it. Yeah. Um, he calls it dis, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, dysphemistic swearing. Um, which is just a way to show that you think negatively of the subject matter. So, for example, calling a woman a bitch is okay. that's your way of, you know, that you're saying you don't like that woman. It's quite clear. That's what or you're, you're just a rapper. Or you're just a rapper. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you're talking to a female dog, in which case, absolutely yes. fine. Emphatic swearing. This is yeah. fucking brilliant. Right? Yeah. <laughs> where you just yeah. use your swear just to intensify what you're saying. And I'd say that's where most of my swears are I got you is to really yes, is as an intensifier, too. you know. Um yeah. I find I swear most when I'm excited and 
if I'm doing new material on stage, because, I always had to um, laugh. Just add the always add the F had word, to laugh. You know. I just find if I'm doing new material, I swear more because those extra syllables give me a bit of thinking time about what comes next. Just, <laughs> so, I think the audience just enjoy it more. And then idiomatic swearing, um, which is just the sort of swearing you do with your mates. That's just fucking right. You know, You're fucking right, Angela. You hit the nail <laughs> on the fucking head there, mate. I tell you. But I remember Harry Enfield talking about hearing somebody saying talking about his car. And he went, ah, fuck, the fucking fuckers fucked. <laughs> so in that sentence, in that sentence, you've got expletive, you've got a verb, you've got a noun, oh, and you've got... There's so much grammatically going on there. Yeah, which is why I, I find it fascinating. And I get really upset with people who say... I had somebody say to me once after a gig, um, your swearing shows a lack of vocabulary. And I said, no, no, I've got swear words in it. That's more words than yeah, if I didn't yeah. have them, right? That's just maths. Obviously, sometimes they're intended to offend and that's when it's okay to be offended by them. But I think when yeah. they're being used as just a collection of sounds... But they do have power, you know. We did a radio show uh, many years ago, back in the 90s, actually. It was called Look Back at the 90s. And we had, in the chair, we had Brian Perkins, who used to be a newsreader on the BBC. Yeah. And he had a very, very lovely voice and he came with great authority. And we did this gag, which was him reading the news. He goes, in May of that year... Radio 4 allowed gratuitous swearing for the first time, which was a fucking great idea. Brought the house down. I cannot tell you. The laugh went on for about a minute and a half. Brilliant. I think this is the difference between an expletive and an intent to cause offence. So the word expletive originally meant a word within a sentence that didn't add any meaning or description. So... For example, Samuel Johnson, he wrote about the poet Alexander Pope that expletives he very early ejected from his verses. Now, that doesn't mean that Alexander Pope was effing and jeffing all over the place before he took the swear words out. It means that he took out all the words from his poetry that didn't need to be there, that were just linguistic frills, like thereby and therein and just all these little... But that's what expletive means. It just means, you know, these extraneous bits of language. But we now take them to mean... Swear, swear words, words in, because that's we're how about a lot Watergate, of us use swear Remember, words. expletive deleted and all those crossed out bits in Nixon's uh, that's account. That's right. Talking. Yeah. That's right. And actually, yeah. that's what expletive means. But we now use it to mean swear yeah. words, essentially. Oh, okay. And we talked before about intensifiers, which I think is one of the most common uses. So to say, you know, this is fucking brilliant. It's just yes. really hammering home the point. And there's an example. And it was only in 2009 uh, Bono got a Golden Globe. I don't know what right. for, but anyway, for something. And um, in his acceptance speech, he said, this is really, really fucking brilliant. Right. And he got into a lot of trouble for it because it was live and it was broadcast. And the Supreme Court upheld in 2009 that that use of the word fucking was invoking images of copulation. Wow. So, so even though it. linguistics have been, you know... Yeah, yeah says exactly the opposite because we talk yeah. about prescriptive linguistics over uh, sorry descriptive linguistics over yeah. prescriptive linguistics they as late as 2009 are still saying no no you can't hear the word fucking without thinking of people fucking now you're thinking of people fucking now because i've said thinking about people fucking <laughs> but generally speaking every time someone says fucking you don't you actually don't. imagine no, the no, act all. of copulation no. but the supreme court in 2009 said that you did when my mum was in a old people's home and her mind was going uh you know, she got uh, dementia in her last few years, but they played this word game going around the room. And so my mum was called Joy um, and they went. So um, um, Elspeth, have you can you think of a word beginning with D? And Elspeth said dog. Very good. Uh, Annie, what about you? A word beginning with E? Uh, egg. Very good, Annie. Joy, a word beginning with F. 
Cut to me with a nurse next day. Yeah, Joy won't be coming to the language fun games anymore. Because <laughs> <Well, laughs> you would is... do, wouldn't you? If, you, if you, yeah. you know, you're an old person who's just lost your memory and it's the first thing that comes into your mind, but of course I my mum was going to say, say that. If you say to anybody, what's the first word beginning with F you can think of? Yeah, exactly. Of course, because you've said begin with F. But what's really fascinating about the brain and swearing is language... If you're a right-handed person, so for the majority of people, language lives in the left-hand side of your brain. Right. But there's a different older part of the brains that, that existed before our capacity for language as we know it today, which is where your emotional responses live, right? Oh, so, yeah. for example, when you howl with pain or if you groan with pleasure or, you know, all those. So when you hurt yourself, you go, ow, that lives in a different part to where right. language lives. But what happens with swear words that's really fascinating is they migrate. They, they sort of, when they get to a certain point in your personal linguistics, they migrate to that part of the brain. Okay. So that we then use them in the way that we use those really instinctive words, that which is, is why yeah, when you that, burn yourself, you go, fuck, without that's thinking That's the about one it. I go to, and it's embarrassing when I'm in sort of, you know, America or somewhere, because they have mm. different ones, and they're quite shocked by my yeah. English swear words. We all have our own sort of personal ones really that we you know we sort of categorize ourselves but obviously that's related to where your class and where you grew up and all of that little lily my daughter when she was Mm. like five she had a a big girl lived down the road who was like eight or nine and lily came back from her and said she told me what the f word is and we went (laughs) oh did she and we're thinking thanks a lot florence down the road um she goes yes can i say it and i do know what it is I say, well, you shouldn't say it, Lily. It's a strong word and it might upset grandma and, you know, be very careful. <laughs> but I do know it. All right. Can I say it? If you want, but it's, no, not to be used. You won't be crossed. No, it won't be crossed. Just say it and get out of your system. Because she told me what it was. All right. Then he goes, frou-frou. <laughs> so, so the girl down the road had done this massive thing with her. You mustn't say it. It's the worst word you can say. And she came home really with this powerful word in her vocabulary. I know. Oh, the backstory in that joke was like brilliant. Bless her, that's so adorable. <laughs> yeah, so well, I did continue. No, uh, so yeah, we sort of select which subconsciously, obviously, select which yeah. parts, which words go into that part of our brain, and then we use them in the way that we use these instinctual things. So we sort of can't help it. And experiments have shown that swearing increases things like pain tolerance. So they did an experiment where you've got people to stick their hand, and I believe Stephen Fry took part in this. It's like, I've got that in my but head, but I might have made that used really up. long swear words. Luckily. Yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> but what they did, one group, they gave the word fuck. Another wow. group, they gave um, the word, it was something really neutral, like right. feather or something. And right. the third group, they gave a made-up word that also began with F. Wow. Like fizzle twit or something. I can't right. remember what it was. But they got them. They had to all put their hands in ice cold water. And all they could do was repeat that word. Wow. And the ones that had the word fuck were able to keep their hands in the ice cold water That's for longer. Amazing. That's amazing. That's actual physical power. Actual physical power over, yeah, because so of funny. the catharsis my, of using it. Yeah. My mother-in-law's, who's, she's like in her 80s, her cathartic swear word of choice is flips. So she makes she makes my kids fall about at last. She goes, oh, she drops the egg on the floor. Oh, flips. flips. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, steady on there, Margaret. That's a bit powerful. Do you mind? There's children yeah. listening. Yeah. The um, French poet, 19th century, I think, poet Baudelaire. Yeah. He famously, he had a stroke. And I mean, stroke. I worked in stroke rehab for a while. And it is fascinating where you take away the function of one part of the brain and what that does. And for him, he could only... 
it took away his power of language, except for his obviously was his phrase that lived in that other part of his brain, which is right. which is short for sacre nom de Dieu, which is the French sort of God damn it or whatever. Yeah. So he was chucked out by the nuns that were looking after him because they thought he was possessed. It's like a version of Tourette's, I suppose. It's just you're yeah. unable to control that word. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Tourette's is, essentially. It's, and that's why I think for some people with Tourette's, it's not always swear words. There's, um, no. there's a comedian who has Tourette's, Jess Tom, her name is T-H-O-M. Oh, yeah. And um, it's interesting because she... Um, her tics, as she calls them, they're not always... Sometimes they can be a bit obscene and a bit rude, but they are often not. And I know when I've been on stage, I know she's in the audience because she'll shout out hedgehog and biscuits are her two big oh my God. ones that she shouts. But she's really interesting. There's a really good interview of her with Richard Herring, and you can see it on YouTube, I think. Jess Tom, T-H-O-M. Okay. So look her up. She's she's. Amazing. I once uh, I once had to do uh, an interview for the Labour Party magazine when they were sending out magazines, and um, they asked me the book that changed your life, and I didn't think they printed it, but I said, "Well, I think the book that changed my life was Overcoming Tourette's Syndrome," which I can tell you is a fucking corker. And uh, I apologise for that joke now, but they printed it. I was only joking. Back then, <laughs> I will hastily add. Somehow, jokes about Tourette's syndrome were acceptable. I understand. Mm. I appreciate there was a period it's... of time when there yeah. were where it was, yeah. and I think yeah. we people right. just didn't understand what Tourette's. I didn't understand what it was. Is, it was just but... an excuse for swear words. But I didn't yeah. think they put it in the bloody Labour Party magazine. <laughs> let's go back in history again, John. You know I love okay. doing that. So let's go back to the Romans, right? oh, yeah. because um, the Romans were quite useful in in writing things down quite a lot. The graffiti's everywhere, the isn't graffiti's it? Graffiti's everywhere. Pompeii and places, and absolutely Romans. They're taboos. So like yeah. we said, every sort of stage yeah. of linguistic evolution has its own taboos. And for the Romans, it was often involved the genitals, of course. Um, which at that time they did have a sense of shame about their genitals. So they were to be covered, but they were also awe-inspiring. Um, they did have sort of uh, erect penises everywhere on sort of absolutely. little necklaces and on statues. and They just well, they, weren't allowed to say it. Erect penises were thought to um, sort of ward off the evil eye, as it were. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so their ten worst words in Latin were thought to revolve around bodies and sex. So they were okay. very much on the sort of shit side of the holy shit equation. They did have some words that were related to their gods, which were seen as being profane. Um, so, for example... Is it Priapus? Priapus? I never know how to no, say so his that name. That first one sounded good. Priapus. Just say it with confidence and you get away. Priapus. That's it. I'll do it, I'll do yeah. it the middle class man way. I'll say it with confidence yeah. and everyone will just oh. come on board. Oh, it's Priapus. It's Priapus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So apparently obscene words would please the god Priapus, which isn't that surprising considering he was named after yeah. an erect penis. <laughs> they have the word cunus. However, okay. that's not where our C word comes from, interestingly. It's oh. very similar in linguistics but it's not the branch that it came to us from but okay. we'll get on to that in a little while um latin is how we get our more medical words for parts of the body so penis and vagina um well, i'll come on to vagina again later because i think the right. am i we... am i right angela that uh, those those are the medical words in our modern language and the mm -hmm. respected words back then they were the swear words for those things. yeah yeah I that's think interesting so, yeah yeah, absolutely. But again, I think that's to do with, with class. And as time went on, if you were speaking Latin, you were of a higher class and therefore those words weren't oh, vulgar. I see. Um, whereas when everyone was using it, then yeah, it wasn't, yeah. you know, it was different. The worst things you could say as a Roman, the worst insults, the most obscene insults you could give to people were to do with sex. But whereas today it might be, for example, calling someone gay or calling, you know, referring to their sexuality is seen as being offensive. Yes. 
back then you could be gay you could be a heterosexual that wasn't the issue at all for men to have sex with each other was perfectly acceptable what wasn't and what was a slur is if you were deemed to be passive in your uh, enjoyment yeah. of the so if you weren't the aggressive member of the party shall if we you say. were the penetrated rather than the penetrator exactly the biggest swear word of roman was irumatio which essentially means oral rape well Angela, that might be a good place for a break for you to what go and wash fucking your wash, brilliant idea you go and wash your mouth out with soap <laughs> and water and we'll be right back after this And we're back for We Are History. Angela is uh, using this podcast as an excuse for a lot of foul language, and she's really lowering the tone. Angela, Pumped it, we... Willie. What? Continue. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're coming to the Middle Ages. Now, this is where we get to the holy of the holy and shit, because what you have to remember in the Middle Ages, John, is for yep. most of the Middle Ages, people were God-fearing in the most sort of essential sense of that. They feared God. Yes. And so... Um, Oaths against God or anything to do with God punishing you, that was the worst taboo. So something like um, gore blimey. Which means God blind me. Right. That was strong. Or if you said that to somebody else, for example, one of the worst things you could say was God rot your bones. Oh, to someone. I hate it when people say that. God rot your bones, which ah. is where drat comes from. God rot your bones, really. God rot your bones got, got minced. They call them minced oaths. So gore blimey. Right is a minced oath, um, drat is a minced oath. And the belief was, and it was a belief in those days, that you could invoke the power of God to make these things happen. To rot your bones. And so to do that, to invoke God, to bring harm on somebody else, was the worst thing that you could do. At the same time, in the Middle Ages, when the Anglo-Saxons came, you could say shit, arse, turd, bollocks, all fine. You've said drat now, you've gone too far. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so the, the more sort of visceral swear words, right, okay. the more bodily ones, they weren't profane at all. They would That's refer hilarious. to shit, they would refer to bollocks. So, so that stuff fine. in Canterbury Tales that looks gruesome really? now, pretty blue... Yeah, but actually at the time it wasn't. Okay. The, the worst thing that you could say in the Middle Ages, the, the phrase that was deemed worse was by God's bones. Try that in your stand-up, see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was by God's, if you swear by God's bones or by Christ's fingernails, they believed that you were actually affecting the body in heaven. So wow. I suppose it's all related to transubstantiation. Is that trans... Right. Transubstantiation with Catholics, you know, and, and obviously at this point it's Catholicism. It's yep. before the Reformation. So people believe that you actually harmed the body of Christ, that you actually, you know, these were uh, yeah. visceral, real things. So compared to that, bodily functions had far less taboo. Right. Um, and in fact, people had names that we now would think were... So it was quite... You could be called Thomas Turd or Roger Prickproud. No one batted an eyelid. So hello, Mr. Prickproud. <laughs> what a great name. He's mentioned the Canterbury Tales, Chaucer. So we're into Middle English now. I can remember learning Chaucer at school and we were quite shocked, right, about some of the things he was saying. Oh, but at the quaint. time, it wasn't yeah. shocking. So yeah. the word quaint, which is, yes. you know, where cunt comes from. Um, he says, privily, he caught her by the quaint. Yeah. wasn't at the time wasn't deemed as strong. to be as strong. So in the Renaissance period after the Reformation, where we moved away from the whole body of Christ stuff yep. um, and confessionals and swearing on oaths became less and less yeah. meaningful to your everyday people, 
that's when the bodily obscenities started to be more offensive. There's a road, there's a, there's a lane, isn't there, that was, uh, uh, that, that was referred to? I know to, exactly is... what, where prostitutes would hang out, John. I don't know how people I... knew the prostitutes were there. Could what, it be Gro- that it was Grope called... Cunt Lane? In Grope Cunt Lane. Where, there's, what's there's... funny bumping into you here, mate? What were you doing in Grope Cunt Lane? Oh, it's a good coffee shop at the end, actually. I was just going to, I was just going to the coffee shop in Grote Cunt Lane. Quite often got um, contracted later on to being Grape Lane. So if you find oh. anywhere that's called Grape Lane, pretty sure that it was originally Grope Cunt Lane. Grope Cunt prostitutes Lane. Would hang out. If, you're in a, if you live in Grope Cunt Lane, do write to us. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, so Chaucer started to become obscene in the sort of 16th century when it was translated then. That's right. when they started to go, oh, hang on a minute. This is quite this is strong bit, stuff. You know, now we've talked about Shakespeare and that sort of period of history where English starts to change. Shakespeare famous for his insults wasn't particularly obscene. Well, we'll come on to a couple of things in a bit. I bite my thumb at you, sir. Yes, exactly. All of that strong business. Strong stuff. And then, of course, there were the prudish Victorians who just shut down everything that was to do with the body in Victorian times. Um, and again, this is very class related. Look back at our yeah. Jack the Ripper podcast to see the difference yeah. between... Um, you know, I'm not saying people were that worried about swearing in the rookeries of London, but they were in the middle classes. So I remember studying at university, this is before the Victorians, but studying uh, John Donne's poetry. And there was a line about uh, when we sucked on country pleasures. And I remember oh. the S's were written as F's. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> the imp- so country pleasures has also got a meaning. Oh, but, yeah. So written as fucked on country pleasures, you know, it was all there if you were looking for it. But he Absolutely. could sort of pretend. Well, he was the, just... the country will come to this because that appears in uh, Shakespeare as well using right. country in that way in victorian times it was to swear was uh, to use profanity was lower class so you know that's yes. when phrases like to swear like a tinker right. um come about you know and also at this time remember we're starting to realize these massive imperial ambitions yes. and i think the upper classes certainly they believed that english would be spread in the way that latin was and would come to have the sort of associations that latin has with the upper classes etc as they spread it across right. the world so they didn't want to acknowledge that these obscenities existed right. in the language right. plus they were a bunch of stuck-up prudes and they were a bunch of stuck-up prudes so if you look at their words and like you know uh leg you have to say limb instead of lower leg. limb you, Lower, lower limb, limb. you would i mean this is i think in america as well as in england it was very uh, common to refer to a leg and you would cover up the legs on the piano with a bit of cloth mm. and um we wouldn't say the word trousers you know it was no. like the, the unmentionables there were special euphemisms for trousers because if you think about trousers then you start thinking about what's underneath the trousers yeah. and goodness knows where that leads and we that. all know what's underneath trousers in fact john i'm gonna to have to go and have five minutes in the shower um, <laughs> a cold one to... i hope a cold one, of course. <laughs> Ironically, what did happen at this time, of course, is the birth of what are our current taboos now, which weren't at the time. And that is because of imperialism. That's right. where the sort of racial slurs and things started. As we started to mix more with people from across the world, from different cultures to ourselves, that's when we started to develop names and words for them that which we wouldn't use today. Derogatory phrases, yeah. Derogatory but, phrases, yeah. which at the time yeah. were perfectly acceptable to use in society, which now aren't. So it's interesting, isn't it, how these words come about. They, they're very rarely do swear words start their life as swear words. They evolve no. into swear words you know, at yeah, a later yeah, point yeah. in history. And, and, and have different potencies. So the N-word of mm. which we were talking, in mm. the film The Dam Busters, there's a black Labrador just whose name is the N-word. Yeah. Come on, boy. And it's like, they're just bandying this name around. My mum's mm. cat had, had the same name in the war. She had wow, the black yeah. Cat. Um, and now it's just about the worst thing you can say. 
Uh, but even Martin Luther King, we don't even use the word Negro, really. And that was no. the word that Martin Luther King used for his own organization. So that is just, that's almost fashion, the way that changes. And even yeah. now uh, we don't say... But it's constantly changing. Like, um, there, there was recently the, I, I know you'll know about this because it's football, but the football person who's been uh, saying coloured footballers instead of footballers of colour. Yeah, and BAME, you're not supposed to say BAME now. You know, so, you know, so it's um, constantly evolving these things. Yeah. And it is difficult, I think, particularly as you get older, to sort of keep track. So my grandmother, for example, would definitely use the wrong words to talk yeah. about people of colour, but it wasn't with the intention of being offensive. It was that she hadn't got the latest update, you know. I was on a Zoom call with um, uh, the people I'm working with in America just after Black Lives Matter, and they started to say BIPOC. And I had to go, sorry, sorry, I don't know what BIPOC, what's BIPOC? And they're like, because I'd probably use the wrong word, you know. Yeah. And it's it's uh, black, indigenous, yes. and persons of colour. So the indigenous yeah. bit is something we don't have. So yeah. uh, that won't catch on over here. But it's weird to be mm. trying to adjust to this new one that had been like that month had come in. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we have to keep trying. But language sure is always evolving, people. you know. Yeah. And at the moment, we're going through the sort of a revolution in language of gender, for example, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and, and it just takes a while for people to catch up with where things are at. And things always, with as with everything, things overcompensate before they settle. I know. You're, you're right there, bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, cocksucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, just, uh, just an example of that. The, the, we're, we're, as, as we record it, we're running up to Christmas in 2020. Mm. And the the line from the fairy tale of New York is being much debated mm. and being banned on some stations and not on others. And this is a character. He's using a... What is a homophobic slur? Well, she is. She's a character. There are a pair of characters in New York back in the day, but you can't have her say, you scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, you taped over Taggart. That was my solution. You taped over Taggart. I I think the thing with this, people getting their knickers in a twist about this, is they're getting their knickers in a twist about the wrong... Because the fact is, no one's telling you you can't listen to that song in your own home, right? No one's telling you you can't even buy that song. You can. What it's been is banned on Radio 1. And I'm yeah. absolutely fine with it being banned on Radio 1 because you know what? It does contain a horrible word. And you can't play songs on Radio 1 that say fuck either. No, like but radio can, edits have mute... always been a fun. But you can uh, mute that word. You can, or you can just yeah. dip, dip it down for that word. Like they do with uh, Oliver's Army, which has the yeah, end word. They, they would... just dip it down. Yeah, they, they just do dip radio down the edit. Yeah, but they're yeah, still getting the that. That's all they're doing. Yeah. Oh, they're okay. still getting their knickers in a twist about it because, oh, you can't do anything anymore. And to them, I say fuck off. Um... But not on Radio 4. No. <laughs> uh, I have said fuck on Radio 4, I'll have oh. you know. I've said shit on the news quiz, John. Have you? You can say shit me. on the news quiz. There you I go. I apologise to the listeners of our <laughs> podcast. I thought, that was going to be, I thought when we started this, it was going to be an interesting study of history. And Angela has just brought the level down. Well, we'll come on to the Ofcom thing later, because I think it's quite fascinating. So the 20th century swearing has now pretty much done that shift away. From the, and as I said, there's still people who are offended by so-called blasphemous swear words yes. um but they tend to be overtly religious people who get upset by that most people i would say aren't yep. as upset by by uh, religious swear words um and the more profane the more sort of bodily function and particularly sex related ones it came to the fore in the 20th century so you have for example lenny bruce um i think yep. it's quite interesting to talk about comedians and swearing because there's always been this thing about comedians and and what they say uh, Lenny Bruce in 1961 was arrested for saying cocksucker, um, right. which he said at the jazz workshop, which I think itself sounds like a euphemism, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was in 1961. In 1962, he came to England. You know, Lenny Bruce, yeah. he played at the Establishment Club with Peter Cook 
Um, yeah. And the following year, he was banned from coming back into the UK. Wow. That's Home Office called him an undesirable alien. Wow. Um, and he was eventually convicted of uh, obscenity in 1964, I think it was. Uh, but it, he, there was appeals and things. And I think he died yeah. before he actually went to prison or right. anything. In 1972, do you remember George Carlin's routine? The words you can't say on television. I don't know. The American called like George Carlin, who's brilliant. He did, it was a routine. It was a stand-up comedy routine. But right. He talked about the seven words you cannot say on television in America. This is in 1972. Wow. And the words were, we'll go through the words. They were shit, fuck, expecting them. Yeah. Cunt, motherfucker. Okay. Cocksucker. Right. Piss, which I oh, find wow. interesting. It's quite moderate. Um, it's quite mild, mild now. They Although I now. remember when I was about five watching yeah. Watership Down and being utterly, utterly scandalised by the seagull telling them to piss off. Wow. Do you remember the bit in Watership Down? So it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't so formative for me, Angela. I was thinking I'm a bit older than you. So. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, the word piss was in the um, King James Bible. The translators. Oh, really? Yeah, they used pisseth. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know that in go. the Great Fire of London, the mayor came to look at it and went, Pah, a woman could piss it out. Like, <laughs> so they all went back to bed. No, they, they, um, so that was like the lowest form of fire, I suppose. And the final word of George Carlin's seven is tit. Wow, that's which everywhere. I think that's a very American thing. I remember watching John. Uh, did you? I didn't. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Yes. Spoiler alert. Do you remember? There's a scene. I think it's in season four where Gus is in the explosion. The the Breaking Bad the chicken shop guy. The chicken shop guy, and literally you see the inside of his head. It is so graphic. This explosion wow. shot, right? It's really. I remember watching it and just being horrified. Wow. Yet in the same episode. The word fuck was pixelated out on a wow. piece of paper. Wow. And, it's insane, and isn't it? they're not allowed to show nipples. I know but the Americans can, are mad for that, aren't they? But you can show the inside of a man's head. So have that's someone been show, blown off. Send someone's uh, shot to pieces and it's like, yeah. God, blimey, shot his tits off. Don't say that. Yeah. They are. <laughs> yeah. They are. Not yeah. that I'm saying America's fucked up, but America yeah, it's weird. is fucked up. I mean, on the subject of. Um, Tits. I was. Mm. This is a true story. I was. I, I have a bird a feeder. I had a bird feeder, and I, I had these great tits and marsh tits, uh, blue tits on it, and then this other bird with a little white bit on the back of its head, and I thought, well, what's that? That's not a. That's either a marsh tit or a cold tit. The internet. I'll go on the internet. So <laughs> Google <laughs> images tits. It's like I genuinely. <laughs> How do you even that, start my, to find uh, that, that out? Your lordship. That your lordship <laughs> explains. My search history on my... I was doing some research, Your Honour. <laughs> yeah, so that's that explains why I get all that, that junk mail now. Oh, dear. So bless me for my naivety. Um, the word pissed, when they go, I'm really pissed with you, I always mm. go, yeah, we had a few drinks, didn't we? It's like, you know, <laughs> it was lovely, we got yeah. great. But that, again, it just shows, you know, there's words that you can say in America that you can't say here and vice versa. Yeah. So, for example, the word wanker. I think it's yeah. a great example to Americans. It doesn't mean anything. In fact, there's wanker appears in two episodes of The Simpsons. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and of the course, English, nobody yeah. batted an island in America, but here it got complaints when it was Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a Jasper Carrot talks about going through LA and seeing someone, English producer, who had a number plate that just said wanker. <laughs> so you, couldn't, you wouldn't get that past the DVLA here, would you? No way. <laughs> no. No way. So, you know, geography and, and history are part of. Yeah, in fact, uh, just recently, the the, the town of fucking in Austria has had to change its name because they got so fed up with people coming and nicking the road signs 
that they've changed. Which is a shame because I'm from Maidstone, which is definitely twinned with it. <laughs> twinned um, with fucking. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Maidstone. I call it that I, all the time. I thought they've changed it to fugging, haven't they? Twinned with dildo in Newfoundland. Well, I'm sure I've talked about dildo have, in Newfoundland before. Got family there, John. I I have a bit of dildo in me. Um, anyway, let's move on from that. Um, I do find swearing and, and broadcast is quite an interesting thing. And Ofcom yes. have their. They, you can Google it. Ofcom's list of swearing in the sort yeah. of order of worst to to mildest yes. that's allowed. And it is quite interesting, isn't it, when you work in TV because you have certain way like you have to be able to justify the use of a swear word so oh, the you lawyers have to haggle. Will say, you have to haggle over the number oh you the have. conversations i've yeah, had yeah. Oh, i'll give about... you two shits but lose a piss you know exactly so yeah. i know in mock the week for example i think we we're allowed a maximum of three fucks right so um in last night's episode I, i'll be interested to watch it because i was supposed to be in last night's episode but i got sent home with covid oh. symptoms so i ended up not oh, being in right. it but i know they were doing the story about that austrian town oh, and the producer was saying to us we're gonna have to try and cover this story without using the word, because the lawyers had said that even though it's the name of a town, wow. it's still the swear word. So they were still wow. having to keep to the same yeah. uh, quota. I did a series on Channel 4, and they were yeah, a bit looser. Channel 4, like, which non-swear words are you allowed to use? Yeah, exactly. They allowed me cunt. I was allowed to okay. say cunt wow, on Channel okay. 4, but motherfucker, absolute no-no. Okay. Well, because well, I, 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 I'm a bit older than you, Angela, I remember being in BBC Radio and I was, this must have been the 80s, and I found this leaflet in the cupboard with all the old Radio Times, which were hardbound. And it was, it was, must have been from the 60s, early 60s. And it was a list of words that we could use on the home service or whatever it was. Mm. And it, it said, um, no allusion to travelling salesmen calling on ladies on their own. Uh, no, no jokes about ladies' undergarments. For example, winter draws on. <laughs> and then it said, "You." And this was the bit I thought was interesting. You may not. I'm going to just say the N word. You may not use the word N, uh, mm. although an exception is made for N minstrel. And it's like what? <laughs> so that was okay in that context. You could say that. Yeah. But again, but this just shows, doesn't it, the time, evolution it? of of yeah. humanity. It's really fascinating. Yeah. I had um, a situation. It was in. It would have been in about 2011. Right. And it was just after. It was about a year after the whole um, Jonathan Ross Andrew Sachs thing oh, yeah, on Radio yeah, Two, yeah. and Radio Two is is sort of placed as a family radio station right so actually although you'd think radio 4 is a bit more stiff you can get away with saying more on radio 4 than you can on radio 2 right they will at compliance which is what yeah, they call yeah. the department that tells you what you can and can't say will let you get away with more on radio 4 than it will on radio 2 because radio 4 is an adult and, it's, and it might be some sort of dramatic context you're justifying or something yeah whereas radio 2 is seen as sort of family listening yeah yeah and radio 2 around the time of Saxgate got really strict really for nervous, a couple yeah. of years afterwards they got really nervous after that happened yeah, yeah. and i remember i was doing a show that was being broadcast at 10 o'clock at night on on radio two and um i used to have a a joke and the the punchline of the joke was and i promise you it was it was a funny joke and it, it justified <laughs> it but the punchline was oh no i fucked her brains out now okay. uh that was the punchline now i knew they weren't going to let me say that you know yeah so I, I had to submit, because you have to tell compliance what you're going to be saying. Obviously, they won't let you just broadcast it. Yeah. So uh, so I sent them my, my transcript and I gave the alternatives of screwed or shagged or something else as well. I can't remember. Banged. That was right. it. And they wouldn't let me have any of those. And wow. I ended up having this 
insane conversation with the woman from compliance in this room, backstage of this theatre in in um, Folkestone, I think it was. We were recording God. it. And and just going, well, can I say shag? No, screwed? No. She went, I'll tell you what you can say, bonked. God. I said, I'm not a tabloid journalist. I'm not <laughs> who says bonked. Lose the joke, Angela, is my advice. Let's lose yeah, that. Yeah, which is exactly what I did yeah, in the yeah. end. But oh, but the, these are the sort of conversations, isn't it, you find yeah, yeah. yourself having. Around that same time as well, I did Terry Wogan's show. Wow. On, also on Radio 2. I know, I've been interviewed by Terry Wogan. That's quite wow. cool, isn't it? And it was his Children in Need special. Right. And so it was at the Savoy Theatre. So it was a packed Savoy Theatre. And it was broadcast live. So it was like 11 o'clock in the morning on his Radio 2 show on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And I had to um, do four minutes of stand-up and then go and sit and be interviewed by Terry Wogan. right? And this was really early on in my career. So I was just... Like, yeah, you're that, wow. You know, this is, he's a big star. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and again, obviously, I had to submit what I was going to say. And at the time, I used to have a routine about caravanning holidays. And that's literally what it was about, caravanning holidays as a child, you know. Yeah. And they didn't want me to do it. We did negotiate it in the end that they did let me do it. They didn't want me to do it because at that time, the Dale Farm evictions were going on. Oh do you remember God, that did. that yeah. um, traveller camp in Essex? Yeah, and they yeah. were evicting them. Yeah. Because that was going on, they didn't want me to do jokes about caravanning holidays in case it made people think about okay. the travellers. Wow. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. That's how paranoid they were yeah. at the time. We're getting a bit off topic now. Sorry. Oh, yes. <laughs> if, we're, sorry. If, we're, if we're over, if we're over. <laughs> I just think it's interesting. It's isn't it? story. No, sorry. I'm just teasing you. Um, yeah. One day I'll tell you my David Fro- being interviewed by David Frost story. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, okay, I'll tell it now. Mm. Um <laughs> I was interviewed once on David Frost's lunchtime show, which I thought, oh, this is a big deal. He's a historic interviewer. And I've been doing some political, it was about a political book. And Shirley Williams was on with me. But as soon as Shirley Williams had finished her interview, they cut to a break and Shirley Williams went off and he was interviewing me. But in the wings, Shirley Williams had left her glasses on the table, the low coffee table in front of where we were doing the interview. So while I was being interviewed by David Frost, her assistant was crawling along the carpet and feeling with her hand on the coffee table to try and find the glasses off camera. And I was trying to carry on as this was going on. And that was like, no wonder I looked distracted and a bit like, what the fuck? What's going on? Uh, yeah. So, John, should we finish by looking at the sort of big guns of English swears and just their etymology a little bit? I'm glad, um, I'm glad that I rang up my big brother to find out what the worst words were. <laughs> Text my you didn't earlier and said something like, Have you, you know, have you got enough information? You're like, I've asked my big brother what the words mean. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fine. So, well, the word shit is it's got a really quite a dull etymology, really. Shit, it's okay, exactly what you think. It's from old English, skitter, uh, right. which means dung, um, or skitter, which means diarrhea, and it's that's like just morphed, scheisse like in scheisse German. In German. Yeah. It's from those Germanic roots, it's yeah. it's it's just shit. Um, But shit, it's a lovely word because you can use it in so many ways. It can be an adjective. It can be anything you want it to be, shit. so Keep going, Angela. What's the next one? Fuck. Okay. Oh, that's satisfying. Fuck is a biggie, isn't it? Fuck. It's the the king of swear words, I think. It is the king of swear words. And it hasn't been... I always thought fuck had been around sort of Anglo-Saxon, but it hasn't been around that long at all. Um, There was an earlier version of the same word was sard, S-A-R-D. Don't say that um, so often, which, do you? 
men in the, the same thing as to fuck, to copulate. Right. Um, genuinely, my friend Kevin has a business that he's had for years, which is called Sard, and I have I no if idea knows. if he knows that. Uh, so I haven't Kevin. told him yet. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Um, so sorry, Kevin, um, to bring that to you if you didn't already know that. Uh, so, but the word fuck, it's of German, Dutch, Swedish, Northern European heritage, yeah. and it means to hit or to strike, or it can mean to go back and forth. So you can sort of see how that's... Okay, how that evolved into Um, what it means. There's an urban myth about the word fuck, that it's an acronym, uh, which is uh, fornicate under command of the king. The urban myth says that um, in the times of the plague that you were supposed to fuck to repopulate. Yeah. uh, But it's Acronyms back then? I don't think so. Illiterate population? The only acronyms that have really made it in, a sort of swears, are the military ones, FUBAR and um, SNAFU. Uh, Fubar okay. is fucked up beyond all recognition, and Snafu is situation normal, all fucked up. So right, there good. we go. That's this what a good. Snafu is. This, um, is. this linguistics degree is paying dividends now. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> um, so the word fuck didn't really come into use in English until probably 14th century. Its earliest written use was found in court records um, from 1310, and it was the name of. Sorry, this name really... I'm so childish. It really makes me laugh. name was Roger Fuck by the Navel. Um, Roger Fuck by the Navel. Oh, you know Roger Fuck by the Navel. Roger Fuck by the Navel. I mean, presumably oh, that's yeah. why he was in court. It's like, you're doing it wrong, yeah, mate, any, if you're fucking by the Navel. Any distinctive characteristics about him? <laughs> it's um, thought that it might it either meant that he was a young man who didn't know what he was doing. Right, uh, yeah. Or it's just a way of saying you're an idiot because you think that's how you fuck. Okay, um, that's good. I like that. So it's quite, isn't that. it? So I'm gonna start calling people "fuck" by the name. When I load up the uh, podcast, Angela, I, onto the yeah. onto the website, I cast the website. There's a little button I have to press, whether explicit or not explicit. Um, You're gonna have to put I'm, explicit I'm, for this I'm, one. I'm, 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 the jury's out. You know, let's see, <laughs> let's see what the edit's like. I've got a feeling this one's gonna veer towards the explicit. Spike, if you manage to cut this without any swear words in, that would be amazing. <laughs> so it's only in the mid 19th century did "fuck" start to be used not to mean to copulate. So to okay. use, like we said before, as an expletive or as an intensifier. So there's sort of 300 years between it first appearing and then being used for things like, right. it's fucking brilliant. Right. Um, you know, fucking fuck put, is fucked. Fucking yeah. fuck is fucked. <laughs> yeah. um, let's, all right, let's do the big one, John. Let's do the big C one. Word. The C word. I'm going to say it, cunt. All right. Um, now that was, a word that, that was a word back when I was uh, 20, which you would mm. never say. It was like such yeah. an unfeminist thing to mm. utter it was very very offensive and it's sort of become weirdly more acceptable even though mm. we're more cautious about sort of um, uh, uh, politically inappropriate words well the thing with cunt john is <laughs> i'm not comfortable with is, this Angela. the thing with cunt <laughs> is that i can understand why people think it's unfeminist because yeah. it's using a part of a woman's body to describe things in a negative that are way in yeah. a negative way however there's an argument that cunt is a much more feminist word than vagina because okay. vagina from the latin means a sheath right. like a, as in a sheath for a sword yes which in order to be a sheath you need to have the thing that goes in it to make it exist <sighs> As if that's what it defines. You see what I'm it? saying? As if that's yeah, yeah. what it's for, right? Yeah. It is a housing for a penis. So that's not very feminist. So I prefer a cunt to vagina. I mean, I wouldn't go, you know, oh, doctor, it's, it's me cunt. I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> I, I, I do apologise, <laughs> listeners. 
Look, we warned you at the top. It's just a word. Right? Um, okay. In Middle English, in Chaucer, as we said before, people wouldn't have batted an eyelid. It was just a name for a bit of the body that right. existed. In Middle English, you had lots of different spellings. You had a C-O-Y-N-T-E, C-U-N-T-E, Q-U-E-Y-N-T-E. Um, so they were all from the same... They were just, they were just rubbish word. at spelling then. That's my takeaway from that. <laughs> there was a Middle English writer called Hending. Yep. And in one of his manuscripts from sometime before 1325, it includes the advice, and this is a translation of the Middle English, it says, give your cunt wisely and make your demands after the wedding. Oh, that's lovely. Maybe one of those funny little plaques you get from one of the bonus. Is that what you were? You could have it on, <laughs> like, uh, live, laugh and drink Prosecco. And also, <laughs> give your cunt wisely and make your demands after the wedding. That'd be lovely. <laughs> Let the weekend be gin and give your cunt wisely. <laughs> century cunt yeah. had become obscene right. and there was a lexicographer francis goes his name was and he did a classic dictionary of the vulgar right. in 1785 and he listed the word cunt in his um dictionary and his definition for the word cunt was a nasty name for a nasty thing oh my god he's got some issues he needs <laughs> so to see a psychiatrist just... yeah <laughs> All right, mate. Like that, um, there, Francis. He's just upset because nobody will let him touch one. So, like we said, it appears several times in the Canterbury Tales, but wouldn't have been deemed obscene at the time. By the 18th century, it was um, yeah. deemed to be obscene, and it didn't appear in any di dictionary from 1795 until 1961. 61. That's late, so it's it? completely ignored by lexicographers, and it didn't appear in the OED until 1972. Didn't Samuel Johnson get some ladies complain to him that his dictionary com uh, contained some obscene words? And he went, oh, I see you've been looking for them then. It's a great comeback. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? <laughs> um, the word cunt, it, it did have obscene connotations by the time Shakespeare comes along. So again, it's that that sort of around the time of the Reformation and onwards where it, we changed from being offended by the holy words to the more yeah, bodily yeah, words yeah, yeah. is when that word started to take on more negative connotations. Yeah. And in Shakespeare... He does allude to it with a bit of punning. In Hamlet, there's the lady, shall I lie in your lap? And Ophelia yes. replies, no, my lord. And Hamlet says, do you think I meant country matters? Yes. Oh, we get oh, you. Oh, Laugh eh? in the cheap seats. Eh? And just in case you didn't get the subtle stress there, the next line is, that's a fair thought to lie between maid's legs. Uh, yeah, all right. We got it first time, William. All right, mate. Yeah. Right. Oh, bloody hell. Samuel Pepys used a variation of the word in 1668. At that time, the 17th century, the word was cunny. Um, that people it's use. There's no female equivalent for willy. So when you're telling your little mm. kids, you know, don't forget to you know wash your willy, and then to the girl you say front bottom or something. It's, it's, it's foo foo, John. Foo foo. <laughs> there's a lovely um, Carrie Marks, the um, comedian, has a lovely has a lovely line. Really makes me laugh. He says that um, one of his female friends is saying that she has some problems with her front bottom, and he says, "Oh no, that's terrible. How's your back, cunt?" <laughs> Very good. But the, you, feel, you, know, you know, the idea that language will fill that vacuum to find a word, there's never quite been a universal no, word in the same no. way that Willie I think people say things like, like, yeah, muff or... Um, yeah, it's a bit weird, muff. silly, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, but Sa yeah, Samuel Pepys, he was yeah. discovered having an affair with Deborah Willett and he wrote that mm -hmm. his wife, coming up suddenly, did find me embracing the girl with my hand under her coat and indeed with my main hand in her cunny. Okay, thanks, Samuel, for that detail. More, more than we needed hand. to know. 
<laughs> there you go. Um, but okay, coming up more recently, in 1971, there was the famous Oz trial for obscenity. Yes. You remember that, do you, John? Yes, the, I do. Um, but I, I sort of, I've read about it, Angela. I was only yes, nine. Yes, I know you were only young <laughs> at the time, 1971. And uh, when the prosecuting counsel asked the writer, George Melly, would you call your 10-year-old daughter a cunt? He replied, no, because I don't think she is one. <laughs> Very good answer. Which, which I think is a great answer. Come back. Uh, yeah. My nan used to always call people a see you next Tuesday. That was, oh, okay. Uh, that's very good. Very good. That's quite yeah. a good, isn't it? Yeah, See you next yeah. Tuesday. And did you know that it was 2014 yeah. when the words cunty, cuntish, cunted and cunting went into the OED? Oh, unless somebody sat around the go. meeting. I'd love to have been in the meeting. So, well, so gentlemen, we need to make a decision on cunting. <laughs> well, I think cunting should go in the dictionary. What do you think, Marjorie? <laughs> so um, we've done the big guns there, John. We've yeah, done yeah. fucking we... cunts. They're the big guns, aren't they? It's very clever and grown up, Angela. Well done. Yes. <laughs> I want to finish, though, John, with possibly the most offensive swear word I've come across. You oh, my God, yourself? where's this going? There's a little island. And I have to thank Mark Steele for this. If you're a fan oh, of Mark I know where Steele's this is going. in town, this is, uh, Mark Steele's in town, this. I remember. He went down to the south coast. He did to the, the Isle of Portland, a little peninsula off the south coast. And if you're on the Isle of Portland, never, ever, ever say the word... Go on, John. I can't rabbit. To do it. Rah, no, oh. rabbit. It's the word genuinely. Rabbit, it's genuinely they do not say. It. Kids get sent home from school if they say it yeah. there, That's and insane. it apparently comes from. Um, there's a lot of quarries on the island, and right. burrowing animals can cause the quarries to collapse, and oh, quarries have collapsed then. and entombed workers in the past. Wow. Okay. And so if a if a quarry worker saw a rabbit, they just pack up and go home until it had been made safe. They were saw a what? So, Exactly. Oh, oh, sorry. So the word rabbit just became this word you do not see in a sort of way that you wouldn't like, say Macbeth like, in the theatre sort yes, of way. Yes, yes. You know, it was just thought to bring. And um, Mark Steele did one of his episodes of Mark Steele's I remember Steel's it. I remember there. it clearly. Because he held, he was not saying it and not saying it and not saying it, wasn't he? And he just couldn't. And he said it at the end. And the audience gasped. He lost them. And absolutely lost, them. lost the audience. And then he, he, um, he said he was having a drink in the bar afterwards. And there was a couple there who weren't local like they were they lived there yeah. now but they hadn't sort of grown up there and the bloke said i'm really glad you did that it's so stupid this this thing that they won't say the word rabbit it's such a and then he proceeded there was a piano in the bar there and he proceeded this old bloke to go up and start playing run rabbit run on the piano oh, well my, that's hilarious my dad was in the, a pub in uh london during in 1940 mm. and um england had just retreated from dunkirk and this Canadian soldier came up to their bunch of lads and just went, run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run. And his mate, my dad's mate, got up and punched him in the face. And there was a massive fight because he'd seen run, rabbit, run. So it's all about the context. It was like, don't, mock, don't mock me for the defeat of England in northern France. Don't mock us for losing people in the quarry. Uh, don't use the word, the, the word, you know, in front of feminists in the 1980s, but you can mm -hmm. use it in front of feminists in the 2020s. It's all about the context. And it's all about what other people think your intention is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, while intention is important, I think it is, we do also have to remember that, you know, sometimes people can take our intentions wrong, can't they? So yeah, exactly. And seek, they can seek offence. People yes. can choose offence. So we're sorry if we've offended you in this episode. I'm uh, not fucking. I'm going to play explicit <laughs> on this one, Angela. I, when, I, when I load it up, I think that little E button, I'm going to have to put a tick next to it. Um, oh dear, dear, dear. But it's been fascinating learning what you studied for three years and it's taxpayers' money well spent. 
thought you were so young. You, bloody you've got some massive debt. You're so young. So, <laughs> thank you for listening, everyone. Um, we'll be back with more history next week. It's slightly less jovial, a more highbrow, yes. I think, than we've done this week. <laughs> uh, but um, if you enjoy it, you know, the usual, give us lots of stars. Uh, give us one star if you're offended. Five if you're not. And um, we'll be back next time. Same channel. We are history. Dot Yay! Com. <laughs> Bye!